Welcome back in to the Future Sox Roundup. My name is Mike Rankin. I'm your host alongside Elijah Evans, as always. Thanks for being a supporter of Future Sox and FutureSox.com. If you're subscribed to this podcast, come on. I don't know why you're not at this point. If you're not, just go down there, click the button, helps us in the algorithm. I want to promote our product thanks to you, right? The Future Sox listener, the White Sox fan, as honest, genuine, objective, and let's face it, a little optimistic because we got to be able to find the bright side in this organization. And I will say this organization is turning a new leaf when it comes to the draft and the way they want to commit to internal options. It's a different way that we're seeing the White Sox go about development. And I like that because it was a, it was a much needed change. So we'll get into a little bit about philosophy overall organizational philosophy when it comes to the draft and player development because Elijah has some thoughts on the upcoming MLB draft. Over the Future Sox podcast, we've been inviting guests on and experts, draft experts, and evaluators alike to give us more information on where the White Sox stand at pick number 15, as well as how the organizational affiliate, all their players within their affiliates have developed to this point. It's a big year for the Chicago White Sox organization because it's important to see growth within their top 30 and especially within their 2022 draft class specifically. This season's been a win. So we'll talk a little bit about that moving forward. Before we get to Elijah, let's run down the standings of the affiliates within the White Sox ranks. The Charlotte Knights at AAA, 33 and 38. Of course, our guy Jeff Cohen is always trying to uh, paint a picture of optimism relating to maybe the Knights getting 500 this year. So we're going to continue to monitor that. Double A's been a a struggle for the White Sox this year, 22 and 44 overall in advanced day, 34 and 29. That's Winston-Salem and Loway Kannapolis, 35 and 30. We want to talk a little bit about Kannapolis today because it has a lot to do with the upcoming draft and the players moving up, getting another opportunity, and that'll relate to Tim Elko. We have some sound thanks to Jeff Cohen. We'll get to that in a little bit. But first, Elijah, let's kick off the show with Jose Rodriguez making it to the big leagues. Getting a couple of pinch running opportunities, we haven't seen him get on the you know make a meaningful impact outside of scoring you know important runs and wins, but just as pinch runners. Um, here, here's the thing, Elijah. Jose Rodriguez is on the forty man roster. He's playing for Double A Birmingham prior to his call up. Let's listen to Kurt Bloom of the Barons to give us a little bit of a picture on how he's been doing. A three hit game Tuesday. It's this one in the air towards Rotor and left. He's on the run. He's starting to look. It's off the bottom of the fence. And Rodriguez pulls up with a double. Didn't feel place to pull. Change up. Fly ball deep to center. Should bring uh, Rodriguez to third. Crow Armstrong makes a catch. Throws towards third. It's wild. It goes into the dugout and a run will score. Rodriguez will trot home on a throwing air. Jose Rodriguez. Swinging first pitch, bottom of the first inning. That one is deep and gone into the Smokies' pen. Popeye eats his spinach. So here he is, Elijah. Jose Rodriguez is in the big leagues. We also see Zach Remillard in the big leagues. What does that say to you about where they stand right now? I guess you could call it in the big leagues. Um, I'm not sure I would call it in the big leagues for Jose Rodriguez's sake. Uh, It's interesting. You know, the White Sox have had this tendency, especially in the last few years, where they view 
some of these middle-level prospects. You know, Lenin Sosa last year, Jose Rodriguez this year. Remillard's a little bit of a different case. He's more of an older organizational depth guy who they've called up and decided he's going to just fill a role for the time being. You know, with Rami hurt and Tim's been hurt, I think Remillard's sake for the team is kind of like a he's proven himself, he's versatile, let's use him to fill innings. With Jose Rodriguez... It just doesn't make sense, and I don't. It frustrates me because I want to see this guy get a chance. The White Sox are not a good team right now. We all know this. We've come to terms with it. At least I've come to terms with it. I don't know if everybody has, but we're not a great team. And Jose Rodriguez started the season really rough. He was coming off an injury. He was struggling in Birmingham. He just couldn't quite figure it out. He had an OPS under 600 early in the year. In the last few weeks, he was on fire. You just heard it there in those clips. He was destroying the ball. He looked confident at the plate. His bat-to-ball skills looked a lot better than they did early in the year. He was driving the ball all over the field. I mean, he was doing everything you want to see from a young prospect, and especially an infield prospect in a spot where the White Sox have had instability in the infield all year this year. So... In my eyes, I get he's in double A. He's never seen triple A ball. I understand that. And for the sake of the White Sox, he his purpose is to be a filler right now while some of these other guys are dealing with injuries, hold a roster spot, be it, you know, a versatile defender and runner off the bench. Sure. But what are people in our lineup providing that we couldn't maybe get from Jose Rodriguez or maybe even get better from him? So you're taking a guy who's in the middle of a hot streak and finally showing this season, what we saw last season from him, what we think he could be as a player. And then you're just completely stunting his development by saying, here, you can come to the big leagues. Congratulations, but you're never going to play. Sorry for the rant there, Mike. But I mean, it's just, it frustrates me and it confuses me what the purpose of this call-up was. It was stick right there. I Very valid points. And I think you speak for a lot of White Sox fans and how they're feeling. And, you know, just a couple examples. And we discussed this a little bit. It brings me back to when the White Sox... So this is interesting because the White Sox added Andrew Vaughn to the opening day roster in 2021, and Tony Larusa at the time didn't start him on opening day. And that, I think, is a little bit different situation because they anticipated Andrew Vaughn being a part of the roster for the entire year. However, they were playing guys ahead of Andrew Vaughn at the time. Um, and you want to see Andrew Vaughn obviously play and get at bats, figure he's a mainstay. You can fast forward to the next season. Lenin Sosa gets called up. And there's a lot of optimism, especially last season, the year that Lenin had in AAA and AA. It was just hitting the ball really hard, and he made massive strides. And he did get the call up, and yet didn't really play very much. And he was sent back down, and then there were spurts where we saw him last season. The second call up went a little bit better than the first, but still struggled. Now we're seeing as a result of injury, like you explained, and it's a matter of circumstance that Jose Rodriguez is a position player left on the 40-man roster. Right. Zach Remillard had to be added to the 40-man roster. One, what a story. And two, he, I think at this point, Elijah, if you're looking at the two players, is more capable to handle regular playing time, big league at-bats, than Jose Rodriguez. Now, I say that because the White Sox, despite being right at the moment, 12 under, could be 11 under, could be 13 under when you're listening to this podcast. just seems like they can't break away from that 10 under 500 mark. They're still competing for this division. And when it comes to competing for a division that at the moment, maybe the the division leader is under 500, (laughs) you're looking for capable players to not sink you and not saying that, uh, that Jose Rodriguez is going to sink you as a regular player. You're looking for representative big league talent and I think the upside long term 
is the focus for Jose Rodriguez and is obviously when we're thinking optimistically, Jose Rodriguez in the long term is your answer. But in the immediate sense, you're offering him the opportunity to be on a big league bench, go through the big league process, experience a big league game and to be ready to enter a big league game at any moment like Zach Remillard did and he stepped up. So I think it's just a matter right now of the White Sox saying we want to minimize the damage as much as possible, the downside as much as possible, play replacement level baseball and not get beat by a player who just is uh, not experienced enough in their minds that would potentially hinder an individual ball game. Does that make sense? It's just, it's like a long winded answer of saying the White Sox are trying to protect Jose Rodriguez in his first taste of big league appearance, mainly because this is a roster filler of a guy who is on the 40 man roster and they don't want to burn another spot. Is that fair? Yeah, I think you make a lot of great points there, Mike. And I, I think that is completely reasonable to look at a guy like Remillard and say, he's an older dude. We're going to put him on the roster. He's more ready to play and he will keep us afloat. At least he's going to be stable. He's going to be a consistent guy. He knows what he's doing. He's been in this rhythm. And I think where I see things differently to an extent is I'm sick of us trying to stay afloat. I, I don't believe mm-hmm. that's working and I don't believe it's helping anybody's case. There's, there's staying afloat and there's holding on to hope that isn't there. This team is not good. I, I don't see this team being good. I get it. There's a chance they win the division. The division is awful. There is a real chance that the White Sox get a little more healthy. They get in a rhythm and they win this division. Yes. What does winning this division mean? I mean, truly, if you look at the landscape of the American League, winning this division this season, whoever wins the American League Central, I don't care if it's Minnesota, I don't care if it's Cleveland, I don't care if Detroit shocks the world and wins the division, whoever wins this division gets a one-way ticket to the offseason by facing whoever they face in the playoffs. I mean, that's just, I, I sure anything can happen, it's the playoffs, you play to get in the playoffs, I get it. But when you look at teams like the Rays and the Rangers and the Astros, even though they've been injured, even the Orioles, even the Yankees, if they get a little healthier, I mean, there's so many talented teams in the American League in the East and the West, and the Central isn't there. I mean, for, I mean, even the Angels and the Mariners, who are not even in the top of their divisions at all, both those teams, I think, would destroy the White Sox, Guardians, or Twins. There is not anything to play for in my eyes. And I think this is a case of the organization and the management of this team holding on to hope that they can figure this thing out with this core of players and become what we were supposed to be a few years ago. And I am personally past that. I get it. And I understand it. I see it. And everything you said makes a ton of sense and it's completely reasonable, but I am ready to see upside. I'm ready mm-hmm. to see what some of these players can do. I mean, Oscar Colas, I bring him up. I mean, is there really, are we really getting better production right now from four or five guys in our lineup that it's worth not even giving him a chance? I mean, I get it. He was bad. He has things to work on. He wasn't figuring out. Look at Jordan Walker in St. Louis. Jordan Walker is the number top three prospect consensus in all of baseball coming into the season. He was really rough. He couldn't quite get his power going. He was struggling in the field, went down, came back up. Right now he's hitting like 400 in the last two weeks since coming back up. He's on fire. And I'm not saying that would happen with Colas. I'm not saying that would happen with Jose Rodriguez. And Jordan Walker's a whole other level of player in terms of prospect status. But I, I, I want to see the upside. That's my point. And I get not doing it. And I, I see where they're coming from. And it makes sense if they're trying to win this year. 
but I don't really see a purpose of trying to win this year with a bunch of roster fillers when we could actually see what we have from young guys. And maybe it happens later in the season. I think Colas will be back up. I think there's a chance Jose Rodriguez goes back down, goes to triple, goes to Charlotte, comes back Mm -hmm. up in September and he's great. And he actually plays and he's impressive. And that's totally fine if that happens, but I, I am ready to see it, whether it's now, whether it's July, August, September, whenever it is, eventually we need to just try to get some upside and see what young players have that we don't have on our roster right now. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I very well put, Elijah. I I hear you, and I know White Sox fans <laughs> hear you as well. It's frustrating. It's just not the way front offices work, and especially not the one here in Chicago when it relates to an opportunity to win a division, especially considering the timeline and the window. I am yeah, sick of sure. hearing about the window, but it's the reality of the situation. The White Sox invested in a payroll that expected to win, so they're going to try to win until there is absolutely no reason to win anymore. And Elijah, I get it. You're at that point. I totally understand. But the White Sox are not. And that's why they continue to put out Elvis Andrews um, over guys like Remillard and and Jose Rodriguez because that means the White Sox are committed to development. If we're going to see Jose Rodriguez at the plate every day, that means they're succumbing to the idea that um, we're going to live with the struggles of a young player because we know in the future it's going to benefit us. Well, in the immediate sense, this team is still trying to win a division, and I think that's the volatility in all of this is you know, you're sacrificing big league development of guys like Oscar Colas and Jose Rodriguez because you are still trying to compete. And 2024 is going to look a lot different than 2023. And the White Sox even headed into the trade deadline, Elijah, loved your opinion on this, have to make a decision and pick a lane. Because it's going to be hard to justify selling while yeah. still competing, you know, in air quotes and competing. Yep. And look, like this is James Fox's biggest fear is they're hovering around 500 and still competing yep. for a division at the end of the, uh, so many players on this roster's expiring contract. So just your thoughts on the status yeah. of uh, the competitive window. It's the worst case scenario. James is completely right. And I've, I've seen interacted with him on Twitter a few times recently, and we've talked a little bit about it. And it's just, that's the issue right now. We are in this middle ground and it's the same thing with half the teams in Chicago right now and over the last decade or two. And it's, it, it's such a deeper level than just simply the team is mediocre. It, it doesn't, it's, that's not the answer. This goes so much deeper than that from an organizational philosophy and the management and the ownership. And there's, there's plenty of layers to it, but mm-hmm. Yes, the worst case scenario is 
you sell one trade, you buy one trade, you end up being mediocre, you finish four games back of Cleveland or Minnesota for the division, and that's the season. That is, I mean, that is what we cannot do. And it's just that it would, I mean, again, that's last year, right? We, we half bought, we did a little something, we ended up 500. I mean, we cannot do that again. And this team needs a direction. I don't think there's a world where we get to be a contender via buying. I could be wrong. There could be guys that pop up in the trade market in the next month and the White Sox take advantage of it. And they say, you know what? We are going to get three new players at positions we need, and we're going to compete and we're going to win this dang division. And that's possible. That That is possible. Me personally, I'm selling everything. That's just me. I I don't think this is working. And I think right now we have a position where we could capitalize on trade value more than we may have. Well, I guess it depends on the player. You know, the difference in trade value for Tim Anderson has tanked a ton. If we traded him this past offseason with two years of control, we would have been getting two high-level prospects for him. We're not getting that now. Um, I mean, we're just not. He's has not played well. He doesn't look motivated. He has only, I mean, he'll only have less time on his contract now, right? He only has one more year after this year. That's different. But on the other side, you know, when you look at a Lucas Giolito, this is an incredibly thin starting pitching market, and there's a few contenders that desperately need starting pitching. The White Sox could get a legitimate prospect, at least one, possibly two medium level, middle level prospects. We could get a package for Giolito right now. And I know he's a, he's a free agent. Yes, you're buying only three months of him. But for teams that actually want to win, I mean, we've seen in the past what some starting pitchers have, some big time starting pitchers have gotten. And no, Giolito's not an ace. He's not a guy you're you're throwing out there the first two games of a series, probably for a contending team. But if Gio's your three or four and for a team that really needs pitching, we could get some prospects for him. Same thing applies to some of the bullpen guys. I mean, we've had as bad as the Sox seem to have, find ways to blow games all the time. Our, we have a lot of guys in our pen who have been pretty consistent this year. I mean, Graveman can get a pretty solid bag, I think, for, for I know he's a little expensive, but for another year of a mm-hmm. guy who's been great this year, Middleton is a really cheap acquisition for any given team. You know, mm-hmm. even Joe Kelly has shown a lot this year and is, a little, again, a little, little pricey, but I think you can get at least a prospect for all of those guys. So there's a world, I mean, same thing with some of the offense. I mean, Tim, you're not going to get much, but you can get something. You're still going to get something at this point. Tim has still been a great player. I, I'm sick of White Sox Twitter acting like he's terrible. Um, you know, I, I he's had his issues this year, but Tim is still a very talented player who's been productive for many of the past few years. So there's options to trade guys and to really reset this clock a little bit, focus on a roster with, you know, Luis, Vaughn, Berger, some of the guys coming up, Colos, Lenin Sosa, Whatever it might be, I mean, I think I think there's a world where we can sell to an extent, and I, again, it's tricky. It, there's not there's no easy answer right now, and we're in a bad position no matter what we do. But I think there's an ability to sell, but not sell everything, and look towards the next two three years, not five years, but you know, look towards two three years from now primarily, and not try and win a division that doesn't really mean much this year. I, I could see it going both ways. No, I really I could. Um, it's it's tricky for sure. And there's also a world where they just decide to buy a piece or two like they have the last few years. And maybe it works this time. Maybe it yeah. doesn't again, like the same last few years of Kimbrel and all these other times where we've traded for guys and it hasn't done anything or it's made us worse even. So, I mean, yeah. it could go either way. It's about being realistic and to make yeah. a decision that impacts years down the line is significant. And I think that's what the White Sox are battling right now because 2024 is going to be a step back and a half. And then 2025 is going to be another opportunity for them to believe again, because that I think the timeline means it's safe to assume the timeline in 2025, you'll see 
guys on the 40 man that we've been waiting for. Yep. Hopefully have had enough development to be able to get big league time regularly. And then at that point, the 2022 draft class continues to develop and there's more talent infused and the payroll is uh, kind of alleviated a little bit um, from where we stand right now. I think though, when you bring up Lucas Giolito, I mean, if the White Sox buy and sell some of their prospects on the top 30, I guess it does depend on who they're giving up and what they're acquiring but I will have sort of a sinking feeling in my stomach because I'll wonder what the plan will be moving forward. Because if you're not spending in the free agent space and you're going to attempt to buy and compete, like, you know, and you framed a framed a pretty bleak picture, but I mean, it is kind of what it is at this point. And you're giving up prospects that could potentially contribute in 2025 when you believe that possibly you're competing again, right? This is all ifs and whatever. Who knows what's going to happen in the front office either? I mean, here we are in yeah. June, coming up on July, thinking about major changes potentially. And really what it comes down to is a belief in your development and infrastructure that the draft will go correctly, your international market space spending is allocated efficiently, and boy, player development has to take a step because that's where the White Sox are headed, committing to player development. Yeah, and as much as I've been a little bit pessimistic today, I, I think that is something we've actually are going a decent direction in. You know, I, I think we've talked about it in the past few weeks. If you go back and listen to these last few episodes of the Roundup, there's a lot of really good, talented players that we are starting to see break out in the lower levels of the minors. And it hasn't always been the case with the White Sox that we've had a variety of draft picks, undrafted signings, international players that have all looked productive at the the low A and the single and the high A levels, especially even going up to double A a little bit. But we've got a variety of young players that have shown themselves to be promising and to have potential to grow into big league players. So that's something that I think the White Sox are improving at to an extent where we, I, I like the direction of some of the players and especially some of the, the lower level players and the recent draft picks. So I think that's something you can look at and say, you know, there there is some positive growth and future potential for the White Sox. So, you know, again, it, it mm-hmm. doesn't always mean long-term success. But if you pivot and you get rid of some of these young, older players, some of these rent, some of these guys that are with expiring contracts either this year or next year, you take a step back next year probably. You definitely take a step back the rest of this season if you were to sell at the deadline. But then you're looking at a lot of these prospects that have started to show a lot of promise that we keep talking about every single week coming up by 2025 and even into 2026. Mm -hmm. And I know nobody wants to hear that. And you don't want to think like, great, another rebuild. But I don't know if this is a full rebuild. I think the White Sox did stash enough talent in our five-year extensive rebuild that we have pieces. I mean, Luis Robert is literally one of the best players in baseball right now. And I know that's like, I know he has issues still. He has things to work on. I get it. But there's pieces on this team. Cease looks like himself a lot more recently. Kopech's starting to show a ton of promise this season. There's pieces on this team. And there's a lot of pieces in the minor league system that could be a big factor for us coming forward. That's what we've been following at Future Sox for the last four years. I mean, dating back to 2019, when we see them go prep, prep in the second round and and into 2020s draft. And look, all of it is when you see the names, I bring up 19 because that was essentially when all the names graduated off their top 30 that we were looking forward to seeing. We included Mercada, Vaughn, and Kopech. And you know the names at this point, Robert. But throughout that timeline, as we've been covering it on Future Sox, is a rebuild of the farm system. Like quietly, slowly, but surely, this team is rebuilding its farm system. And it has a lot to do with the way Mike Shirley in that draft room is going about their draft classes, the philosophy behind their picks. Now it's the philosophy behind making a pick 
there is the player development side, and then there's also identifying the player, right? So those are the three steps that I kind of look for. And the philosophy, the thinking behind Mike Shirley's idea of of a, a correct draft pick is one thing. But then once that pick is made, you're hoping, one, that you identify that player correctly, and two, the development of that player is based on the infrastructure that you've established. Pitching coaches, those overlooking the organization, Andy Barquette, Matt Zaleski, Edward Tiford, all these guys play a role into how the players project. And that's where we're at right now as White Sox fans, trying to understand what the thinking is behind building the farm system through the draft and also monitoring the development. And that leads us to really the final segment of the show. Um, and, And we'll talk draft. I do want you to hear a little bit of Tim Elko because I think it's important. Our Jeff Cohen took a trip to Kannapolis. Tim Elko is a guy who was drafted out of Ole Miss, and we've talked about him on the roundup before. He is an older prospect mashing in low A Kannapolis. Here's what Tim Elko had to say to Jeff Cohen, and we'll get a little bit of a reaction here on the season of Tim Elko. How do you compare the SEC to like low A baseball? Um, I, I think I think professional baseball is professional baseball. You know, um, there's good there's good pitching, and the SEC is good pitching here. So. Um, you know, I don't think you can, you know, be in even in low A and, and not be good. So um, you know, I think it, it's been pretty good all around. Okay. And um, I guess the records go back to 0-0 tomorrow. Um, it's first half of the season. Might be a good time if their guys are going to get bumped up a level to like go to Winston. Have you thought about that? Uh, just trying to focus on where I'm at right now, and um, you know, don't not trying to look too much ahead. So. Uh, and it's trying to be where my feet are. How would you feel about that? The challenge, though, of going up, seeing better pitching, and yeah, no, it'd be great. Um, you know, always looking to strive to, um, you know, be more and get better and um, face good competition. So, uh, of course, I'd be looking looking forward to that. But again, just you know, right now, just always trying to focus on my feet are. Okay. And last question is just what is what's been your approach this year? You know, are you trying to drive the ball or? The plate discipline. What? Are, what? Are, what's your focus? Yeah, I feel like um, you know, as a as a corner guy, uh, my job is to drive the ball. So, um, you know, that's what I've pretty much been trying to do is go up there and every time I step up with the plate and try to hit it hard somewhere. So um, that's kind of been my goal and what I've been trying to do. That was Tim Elko, courtesy Jeff Cohen, our guy at Future Sox at Triple A Jeff. If you want to follow him on Twitter, he's a great follow. He's at Knights Games and he's been taking trips to Canapolis, where the bulk of you know the exciting prospects are, are located currently and soon to be in Winston Salem. You hear Tim Elko talk; uh, it's just a professional. Uh, ultimately, he didn't get baited into saying, "Oh, I got to be in Winston Salem." Right. He knows he's ready to go to Winston Salem, right? But he understands the process, and, and we bring that up because. You look at, he's leading the league in homers. The strikeout to walk ratio isn't exactly what you're looking for, but it's clearly based on age and production. He's outperforming the level of the class. However, I believe, Elijah, coming up in about a week and a half now, the MLB draft is going to make a big impact on where these guys are going to go further. And those, um, I'm speaking specifically of those who are in the organization right already. Once the draft class comes in, We'll see some promotions. I think Tim Elko is going to be a guy who gets promoted as a result of the influx of talent. And I just wanted to stay there. Shout out to Tim Elko. I think he's he's just a master and so much fun to watch. And uh, we'll continue to monitor. This is his first full professional season, too. So positive stuff there with, with Tim Elko. But when it comes to the draft, Elijah, what is it that you're looking forward to most about? It, it doesn't even have to be within the first round, but just the entire process. What are you looking for this year in the draft? As we've talked about earlier today, I think this draft is going to be a really 
true indicator of the direction of this team. And I know that it's not that simple. You draft, you're, you're drafting for the long-term future. You're not drafting for the now. But I, I, what I want to see from the White Sox is upside. And I know that can be, it, it can be risky. It can be a little bit more. I mean, I, I want to see us take some chances on some players that can provide long-term upside and could reach a ceiling that is a true impact player. I don't want to see some of the safe players that we had drafted in past years. And I think the last few years have been a true sign of what I'm talking about. And, you know, you look at Noah Schultz and Noah Schultz is the definition of upside. He has a ton of potential. He's young. He's raw. He's got it. He's going to keep after working. I mean, he's been incredibly impressive so far, but it's going to take him some time. He's not coming up anytime soon, but he has so much upside. And it's the same thing even with Paulette, who was Peyton Paulette, who's a college guy, but we drafted him in the second round because of the potential he has and what he could reach for us one day. So what I really want to see from the White Sox in this draft is looking at players that have natural talent and ability that might need some refinement, but players that we can really mold and use this increased in this improving player development and make into future studs for this roster. And I think that's going to start in the first round. And I think that's going to continue throughout a lot of the other rounds, whether it's players, you know, we're familiar with or not. I want it to be players that, that have this upside and that we can really work with and develop into put into our, but what we want them to be, you know, mm-hmm. Related to the draft, I'm looking for... No, I'm with you on the upside. Absolutely. And that could come in various rounds in various ways. You can go uh, over slot in second, third, fourth, fifth round, possibly on guys that you identify, maybe the prep route. And our James Fox has some intel that he's been sharing on the Future Sox podcast that he believes that the White Sox are targeting some prep pitchers that are uh, interesting and that could get over slot value that will sign and may not go to college. So that's a steady approach. I want Mike Shirley to maintain that approach that he's been going about over the last four draft classes, including this year. It will be his fourth draft class. Maintain that consistency because I like the philosophy behind his decision-making. And I think that's step one. And I, you know, I went through my steps um, I, just to simplify it because if you're on board the process, the next step is identifying and developing. So the process yep. is correct. The other two, jury's still out. And when it comes to specificities here, Matt Shaw out of Maryland, Elijah, is my guy that I'm hoping falls yeah. to the White Sox. And I hope that the White Sox do approach Matt Shaw and say, listen, we want you to be our second baseman. He's an offense first infielder, probably profiled as a big league second baseman. But that's just an example. I'm not looking for prep catching like ever in this spot. Um, yeah. I don't think there's a lot of pitching that's going to be available or enticing enough yeah. to go at 15. So I think at this point at 15, we're talking about draft uh, quickly in the first round. I, it would do me a lot of good to see more power infused, but that doesn't mean it has to be a corner bat. And when it comes to just upside and you know steadiness, we'll, we'll maintain the theme of that word. I think Matt Shaw's the pick. That's a that's a good pick. I like Matt Shaw. Um, I mean, like you like you mentioned, it's there's some spots that are a little riskier in this draft. I think the, all indications say the White Sox are going to go hitting, and especially you know upside hitting, like we were talking about. There's a world where I could see Hurston Waldrop becoming an option for the White Sox at 15. Um, he's a Florida Florida pitcher right now. You know, he has a in terms of upside, his stuff is insane. He has a ton of stuff, but he is a little bit more of a seasoned arm. Um, so he's got a little more experience. He could be a up sooner, but I think he's got some command stuff. And I think, I don't know if he's ever going to be, 
he's going to be a stuff guy, but I don't know if he's ever going to be a guy that's consistent enough to be a star. Um, so I, I think that's an interesting idea if they if they were to think about pitching and if he does fall to 15, but most likely it's hitting. Uh, like you said, catching is risky. I know I, I did a profile you can find on Future Sox um, on Blake Mitchell, who's the only prep catcher that's even around this range. Um, it's, a, it's a risky pick. I like Blake Mitchell a lot. I think his bat has a lot of upside, but it's just – yeah, prep catching is just tough, and he he could play the outfield. You know, he's he's a athletic enough guy where I could definitely see him ending up as a corner outfield bat. So if you're drafting him, you know, not expecting him to be a catcher, that's a different story. Uh, but I think you know my my personal, if they were to go the prep route, I think there's a lot of college bats. So I could see this draft being one where the White Sox just say, you know, the best college bat that's still on the board, we're gonna mm-hmm. take him, we're gonna have him ready soon enough. Like like you mentioned a little bit, I mean. That, that's a fine option. I'm okay with that because this is a really, really talented class of experienced college hitters. I'm fine with that. But if we were to want, you know, the, the Colson Montgomery style pick of the upside hitting young infielder, I like Aiden Miller a lot. Um, I also did a profile on him that you can go read about, but Miller is a really exciting player. I just think his swing is just beautiful. Um, honestly, I mean that's that is yeah. a total eye test for me. That is no numbers behind that. His numbers are great. His exit velos are impressive. His bat speed is really good. Um, but he just has a really smooth swing for a guy his age, and his approach is pretty advanced, uh, for, especially for an eighteen-year-old. So I like Aiden Miller a lot. You know, I think the White Sox future at third base is pretty bleak, and you're not even drafting for position two. Miller could play mm-hmm. pretty all over. I think he could end up being he's a big he's a bigger dude for normal second base, but he could end up playing a good second. He could play first eventually if it ends up depending. on where the White Sox are at in many years from now. Who knows? But Miller would be a guy I would definitely be keeping an eye on. He's dealing, He dealt with an injury this year in his senior year of high school, so that's caused him. You know, he was early this year before his injury. He was gen, he was in top 10 consideration, I think, from a lot of places. He had a huge season last year on the summer circuit. Um, so he is a guy that I like if they were to go the prep route. Um, the college route, I like Matt Shaw. I like Tommy Troy a lot. Um, I think there's, you know, Braden Taylor is rising up the boards right now with his performance at the College World Series. So there's a lot of different options if you go the college route. And I don't think there's any bad options necessarily. Um, there's a few guys I'd rather us not go with, but I think there's plenty of solid college bats. If you were to go a prep bat, I'm a huge fan of Aiden Miller. There's Elijah Evans giving you the rundown and his opinion this week. That was yeah. fun. Hey, <laughs> thanks for letting us uh, know how you feel, Elijah. Please uh, don't <laughs> yeah, hold back it's next a, time. <laughs> You know, I, I don't... Uh, I, I try not to be too harsh with my opinion sometimes, but uh, you know, White Sox fans feel me on this, and I know I know they do for a fact. It's uh, it's been a frustrating two years for this organization and for a fan base that really deserves a lot. And I think we've we've been through a lot as a fan base. The the rebuild was harsh. There's I mean many years where it was just completely uncompetitive baseball, and there's a lot of exciting factors with this team. And I, I really believe in this team and long term. And I. I all I want is for this team to have success, and I know all the listeners feel the same way. So I'm just, uh, I, I think there is ways where this can turn out good for us, uh, and I'm just voicing my opinion for you all. <laughs> That's Elijah Evans. You can follow him on Twitter at Elijah Ev the numeral eight. I'm at Rankin nine zero six. Follow us on uh, on Twitter at Future Socks and email us futuresocks at gmail.com if you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast. So. Uh, we're looking forward to the draft. This is a little bit different of uh, a format for us on the roundup, but we had a couple of clips to play for you. But we wanted to get some opinions out there because this is a pretty important time in the franchise's history, if we're being real about it. A lot of decisions have to be made, plus the draft. You, if you hit on another draft class, then you get a nice little pool of prospects that are developing under your watch in the organization. And like we talked about at the beginning, 
I think this is just my opinion, but I feel like that's the route the White Sox are looking to go. It's internal development, savvy spending, and hopefully your internal options are what carry you to the promised land. And that's, of course, the World Series may, may not be this year. 12 under 500, still competing for a division. We won't talk about it anymore. For Elijah Evans, my name is Mike Rankin. We record these episodes every week. You can get them in your inbox on Saturday and Sunday. Make sure you're subscribed to the Future Sox podcast as well and Sox Machine. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next week.